Evet. Good. Oh, hi. <laughs> Great. Just really popped up from nowhere. I'll put my thinking cap on then. That's good. Are you ready? You happy? So much information about Almaru and Crashland has been cut from this episode already. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do this one. Kaya, what does a shadow remain? Oh, where's my pen? Coming back, don't worry. Don't edit it out, it's fine. <sighs> okay, hello. Hello. What does a shadow remain, Kyle? Out of the sunlight. <laughs> the shadow remains cast, Kyle. Yeah, because it's out of the sunlight. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast made of unicorn horns and baked geckos. My name is Toby DePola, and this week we are getting deep into the lore of 2009's Bayonetta. Does it sound okay? <laughs> Last week we covered the setup and a good chunk of the early game. Now it's time to bring out the pin board and the red string as we figure out the mystery and the end game. Joining me on this road trip down Route 666 is producer Guy. Oh, hi, I'm here. Now, you played some of the first Bayonetta. I did. But this is all unfamiliar territory to you, I believe. It is. We've, we've gone sort of out of your area of expertise. I don't... I wouldn't call the first game an area of expertise. Maybe an area that I inhabited briefly. Huh. I, I drove through and then did a U-turn and turned back around. Okay. All right. So we have so much to cover. In this, in this game, last week we left Bayonetta falling out of the sky on a destroyed Colosseum because of a name drop, that one being of Jubileus, and now I said that would be very important later. Obviously, we aren't up to that stuff yet. For now, Kit, there's a, there's a funny cat looking at me. Give me attitude. All right, so for now, she lands in the ruins of the Umbra Witch Coven. They're, 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 technically, they're not the bad guys because... They're the uneven guys. They're just the, sh- the dark ones. So while exploring the ruins, pillars, and, spe- and spi- spires? Spires. Yeah, spires. She runs into Luca again. Do you remember him? Trash. Yeah, who is also... Look, I credited him as PS4 Spider-Man. In hindsight, he is like 20 to 25 characters in Fallout New Vegas as well. Oh. And now I can't not hear that. Fuck the Brotherhood of Steel. Dang it. So... Well, she, she's drawing on his face with her lipstick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while doing that, Bayonetta hears that ominous voice in her head that we heard on the train, which mm-hmm. is kind of similar to the vampire dude in D on the PS1. Remember that guy? He goes, Nora. No. It's, it's, it's a guy doing, like, an impression of that guy. I swear. It's so close. Okay. So it hints that the little girl from earlier is the key. Do you remember little girl? Yes. The little one? Yes. How do you feel about her? She's fine. Alright, so it's the confusing. So the coven ruins are crumbling a bit and a pillar almost falls on Luca, but Bayonetta very seductively saves his life before moving on to the many angels patrolling the Umbra Witch's former hideout. The ancient temple look and the light puzzling has a nice uncharted feel to it in this area of the game. But it quickly goes too hard for Uncharted. You know, you're running along giant stone serpents while dodging wind serpents and then fighting a big angel serpent as a boss fight at the top. Hmm. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't sound very much like an Uncharted, but, like, it's, you know, the temple sort of aesthetic of things. Yeah. It, it reminds me of that. I feel like I kill less people as Bayonetta as I do as Nathan Drake. Yeah. That dude is lowering the human population by percentages. Yeah, I can... I, uh, yeah. Makes sense. Hmm. He's one of those characters that acts like killing in like cutscenes is like a big crazy deal, but then they just throw you wave after wave of mercenaries to shoot in the face the entire game. So atop the summit of this uh, Umbra place, Bayonetta finds herself witnessing Jean talking to some like a big burly angels, like a big bunch of them. All right, she claims they're interfering with her plans and they are not even required. Get them out of here. And as they leave, the two witchy women talk a little, sprouting more memories in Bayonetta. Uh, the fight between Jean and the old version of Bayonetta that we've already done, like, in a flashback fight, which you've done. That's when she learns that she can walk on the walls. Oh, yes. Yeah. You were dressed as Peach. Yes. Yeah. It, it somewhat ruined the illusion that they were putting forth in that particular <laughs> scene. It's fine. All right. 
Um, so we see more of that flashback, and in this one, we see that um, you know the, the old timey bayonetta gets stabbed in the chest. And then the big siege happens pretty much there and then with the angels and the mortals and stuff, all the witch hunt sort of shit. Uh-huh. Snap back to the present, and Jean is ready to finish this fight off that they've been having for so long. They are equal in strength and abilities, cracking the summit in their battle like some Dragon Ball shit. Nice. And you proceed with the boss fight on falling arenas. This game loves doing that, huh? They do. It's a cool visual, and in 2009, a little bit after... Mario Galaxy made an entire fucking game just about like weird little physics on small play areas. Yeah. The fact that it did it so much as an afterthought was probably like pretty cutting edge and interesting oh, at the time. Oh, it's definitely a super cool like. It's good visual. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of games that do that now. Yeah, not a great deal. None that I can think of. Yeah. It's just Mario Galaxy is the only one that comes to mind for me. Mm. Um. So. Jean claims Bayonetta still isn't ready and escapes as a panther, then as moths, then a bird. She's just showing off now. Seeing this triggers Bayonetta, similar to the war work, walking thing earlier. Oh shit, I didn't know I could do that kind of thing that she does. So she escapes the crumbling pillar the same way. Um, I used the Kruger transformation a lot for the speed burst that it gives you, um, but I ended up getting used to turning into bats, which is like a dodge sort of thing. But the bird was kind of annoying. I would accidentally like double tap like the dodge button while in it I, I forget what it does but it's either double jump or something or dodging in the air like activates it so i would do it accidentally all the time that's annoying but that's that, that's more on my, my problem than on the game that's just me being bad at it yeah um so now she sort of finds herself in the proving grounds like after the umbra stuff mm-hmm. more angels as, as you imagine while their bayonet sees that little girl a few steps ahead you know, further down. I touched on her briefly in part one, but she's a lot more than a brief cameo. Without spoiling her role in this, I can tell you... <sighs> Without spoiling her role in this, you can tell by her hair that this girl shows up to be the Bayonetta in the third game. Ah. Um, for now, though, with current Bayonetta catching up to her, she has been cornered by some angels. That ominous voice tells Bayonetta that the little girl is the key again. It's kind of like the whole um, save the cheerleader, save the world part from the first heroes. Stay with the High Lord. That's probably a reference to. It is. It is, in fact, <laughs> a reference. Amazing. One that I will not be explaining to you. All right. So the kid has put in a little protective sigil and short work is made of the angels, as always. Um, Bayonetta remembers the lullaby her mum sang to her and is snapped out of it by the girl calling her mummy. European style in the subtitles. I'm talking you, not O. Yeah, boy. So Bayonetta is too tough to be called mummy by a child with an imprint on her like a baby duck. That's spit me. Um, so the child starts to cry when she snaps at her. Yeah, because it's Bing. <laughs> and she's... <laughs> Bayonetta immediately plucks her up by the scruff of the neck and bops her on the nose with the handle of the gun. <laughs> and Bayonetta tells her that she can't stand cockroaches or crying babies. You've seen that scene before. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a cute one. It's a cute interaction. You should go find it online. Nice little bit. So, I like that despite having the name Cereza, she is called Little One for most of the game. Yeah. Um, and I like that she is from her house. Most everyone is from their house, dear. No, Bayonetta's trying to work out where the Little One comes from. She's mm-hmm. just like, where do you live? And she's like, my house. Yeah, Bayonetta's exactly. like, fuck me. <laughs> um, That's the best part of um, Cat in the Hat. Hmm. And I also like watching her character model try to keep up with Bayonetta's long legs. Mm. Um, seriously, the little one is about half the size. She's almost up to her knee. Just. Yeah. So she leads the little one back to Vigrid, as you remember that place. Um, hopefully no longer on fire from last time we were there. Much like the angelic realm we wandered in and out of when leaving Vigrid the first time, we take one back in. So as it sees angels for the first time in there. She doesn't know that they're attacking her this whole time. Mm. You know? um, yeah, she also watches this witch eviscerate all of them, and that probably would be traumatic for a five-year-old, does it? No, that's fine. Right. So you got this big ogre-shaped angel manages to get to the little one, and you boss fight it, and here's a good moment to compliment the design of the angels as you fight them. Do you remember this? How, because in this fight is a good example, because you're mostly attacking its feet, it's very tall. 
Yes. And as you see the porcelain skin of the angel, like, that you hit, it breaks away into flesh. Yeah. And then all the way into bone if you stick to one area long enough. Hmm. That's a cool design. That is cool. Um, the Deadpool video game did that. And I think the Wolverine game that people say really was good did it as well. Yeah, like from memory. Right? And both of those characters in the Lego Marvel game do it as well. Like, they turn into Lego Skeleton. Yeah. But those are the only examples I can think of. Yeah. Some fighting games do it. I remember one of the Mortal Kombat's doing it a little bit. Yeah, but not, not to this to extent. Like extent. No. Nah. So that's cool. So after the angel gets demolished, Bayonetta catches Cereza, and then you notice that she's got a fucking halo. <gasps> Shapeshifter. The true Bayonetta catches up, and the little one realizes her mistake and wiggles free, and then the two adults have like a bayonet off. Right. Okay, so what's happening there? It's definitely some sort of dance off. Alright. Oh, like good. they're doing their like moves, you know, it's some fan service cheese. Like there's this part where she does the splits. Like she kicks the leg up and a bunch of like smoke and like fireworks go off. <laughs> and then yeah, it's weird. After posing, like she's gonna shoot out a ping pong ball. Mm. It's revealed that the shapeshifter one is um uh, it's, it's Joy, that one. It's another type of angel. Okay. Um, that's the one that goes on the, the Spanish donkey we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. lovely. But, yeah, it's, it's a weird moment. They have, like, a weird dance-off. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it fits the rest of the game. It kind of does. That's the fucked up thing. Interesting. You know what Burnout is like. I do. Yeah. So it's another type of angel, so obviously gets fucking wrecked, as they do. Cereza gets, you know, placed back in Vigrid, and when Bayonetta finds her again, she is with a, simil- a familiar face, so mm-hmm. she's with Luca. Um, this part really gets lost with me. He's talking about the upper crust living on an island that's, like, way across a place called Providence Bridge. Right. On a rich island. And he suspects Bayonetta killed this kid's parents, too, much like his one. Yeah. Look, I, he, I feel where he's coming from. Yeah. And um and she's like, well, all right, well, I'm leaving the kid in your hands, and she escapes. It's one way out of it. Uh-huh. And she heads to an airfield, and then meets a wind wielding angel there. It gives some exposition about the world being split into light, dark, and chaos. It reminisces about how the dark group defeated light back, you know, back in the old days, and now it aims to quote resurrect the creator. Big, big sort of clue stuff there. Mm-hmm. And reunify the three realities. At any point, Bayonetta could press further and get some information out of this guy. Because, you know, the angels are pretty open with it. But it mentions her sacrifice, so shit's just kind of on now. Yeah. Yeah, the Luca getting clues about stuff, I wish they were a bit more clear that he's still investigating that the rock and, the like, the gemstone that we're in Vigrid looking for. Yeah. Because it does get lost very quickly in the plot. <laughs> Look, they just... They, they come up with a really good plot. They're just not very good at following it. Like, it exists I don't know if they come up somewhere. with good plots so much as they come up with good ideas. Yeah. The execution's a little bit loose. Um... I showed you the the ending of this boss fight with this um this big angel that t- tells a little bit of what's coming. Yeah. It gets held down by the big hair hands that we discussed last week. Yeah. While other hair hands punch its head literally into like a pancake. Wow. Like a burger patty. And then she throws a dog-shaped angel at it, mm. which hits a falling gas truck, like a petrol truck. Yeah. Into its like mangled face. And then she, like, wedges one of those little statues of a boy that pisses Oi. into the gasoline truck. So it's pissing gasoline onto this angel's face now. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, this is what I showed you. And on her way out, she shoots the boy's statue in its dick and it explodes. Well, and at this point, Bayonetta realizes be she fair, forgot to interrogate him. To be fair, she tries to shoot the ground near it so that, like, the reaction can set it off. Yeah, following it, up the gas trail. Work. Yeah. And so then she shoots it in the dick. Yeah, and yeah, and then she's like, oh, I should have asked it questions. Nah, too late. She went a little overkill there. She's very flashy and showy, let's be honest. Shoot first, think later. <laughs> so she gets to that bridge that Luca was talking about, and it's a long fucking bridge. She isn't massively keen on strutting it on foot in her big gun heels. That would be slightly uncomfortable. But she sees Luca and the little one driving in a stolen military vehicle. Okay, Bayonetta helps cra- them crash through the security checks, and then I get a little bit lost again. 
um, in hindsight, I can tell you that they turn back around at some point. Oh. Because this doesn't get them to the island. Right. But it's vague as shit. Right, so Bayonetta is after this gemstone, right? The one that was in Vigrid. And what I'm guessing is that it was bought by someone on this fancy-ass island. Someone in a place called the Ithavol building, apparently. The location is where Luca is also trying to get for his investigation. But maybe they should explain this a little bit better, as I said. That, you know, whether the gemstones have traded hands or what, I don't fucking know. They just started talking about an island halfway through this fucking game. Fighting atop cars, that part's tricky. And then dodging while fighting cars. And then fighting cars themselves, because I'll be damned if the Irenic Angels aren't just a gussied up 1950s Mercury. Oh, I like those. Yeah. Also, sounds a little bit um, transformers. Well, feel free to stall. No, it's, it's straight up um, just a, a fucking car. But I'm going to Google what they look like so you can do a reaction thing for it. So how do you feel about all the weird-shaped angels? Because they would have had, like, a snake, and there's one that's shaped like a battleship later. I feel like some they make weird sense. Ones. Well, angels isn't the whole like... rule that they were never described as human-shaped in the Bible? Yeah. That's why they've got, like, a billion eyes and so many wings and shit. Yeah. The, the pop culture didn't do angels the, a lot of The things. biblical, well, actually, biblically did, accurate angels. They did them a lot of favors because... Yeah, biblically. Might be a Ford Center line, actually. That's these things. Oh, yeah, that's not a Mercury. That's a car, though. It's kind of cool. It's too round to be like a a 55 Chef. But we're we're wandering into the wrong kind of nerd territory here. So, um, so we're fighting those, and there's a truck that's carrying motorbikes, and that, like, rolls over. And I showed you this bit, too. Because in midair, Bayonetta catches one of the motorcycles and jams her middle finger into the ignition to start it. How'd you feel about that? Um, that's a bit stupid, to be completely honest. (laughs) The game doesn't give a fuck, though. It doesn't make sense. It's not as, like, cheap and tacky as as Black Dynamite is being, but it does remind me of that, like, they're leaning into a so bad it's good kind of vibe, like homage style. Yeah! It's an homage style. It's not doing it because it's... But at the same time... Like we we saw that like right at the start when when she like gets into like a fighting stance when we first meet Jean on top of that plane mm. and she looks at the camera for just a second by accident. Yeah. You know? Like it's always sort of there. Um and this her getting on the bike begins the um motorbike race segment, I guess. Okay. It feels like one of those old arcade wa- games, but I can't figure out which one I'm thinking of. It might be Road Rage. But I don't think that's right either. Okay? I don't know. So you shoot angels, you dodge slower vehicles, you slide under gates, you jump over crumbling segments in the hu- in the bridge and all sorts of things. It's mm-hmm. great. It's kind of out of place, but the game has a nice refreshing break from the standard. Like, it does a couple of these. Um, it's followed by a boss fight with the angels who were smashing the road to keep you off the island. Um, you beat them, sure. But as they escape into Paradiso, right. you know, that heavenly realm, um, Bayonetta tumbles in after them. Well, that's nice of her. Mm-hmm. It looks similar to Vig. Just hitch a ride. I think this might be like a asset management thing, but it looks very similar to Vigrid, but, you know, with more floating stuff and these weird golden paths that are almost transparent in the air that you can walk on. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You explore some more, you do some more light puzzling, you fight some angels, you know the drill, you know the game. Um, but you also meet my least favorite angel, the big pixelated sphere. Do you remember that one? It's the golem. No. It's literally a big round ball made out of squares. That's stupid. It shapeshifts, remember? If you say first. And that's what it, that's how it was fucking me up, like, real bad, because every, like, different... Well, I'm not actually up to the boss fight, but you see them here. And after you dodge the first one, you know, you aren't supposed to let it squash you because Bayonetta goes flat like a Looney Tunes character if it runs her over. Mm. Um... Then you face the kinship, which are the ones that resemble a boat. They're kind of fun to kill, honestly, because, like, the boat just sort of stays in place and you can use it as, like, a platform. Like, you can traverse on it. Yeah. Um, Then you face off with that ball one again. You learn its golem and it can change its shape. I hate those ones because I can't get a rhythm with it. Because every form it takes, whether it's the bird or the dragon head or the ball, it has a different speed. So you can't get a you can't. But that is annoying. It's it's so hard because you can't get a dodge pattern going because this is like a dodge hit dodge hit kind of game. Yeah. And oh man, they 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 cause me a lot of trouble. Those ones they fuck me up. So 
you know, this this golem protects a building, and you know the rules. If you're running a henchman, it's the right direction. Mm-hmm. Bayonetta knows them rules too. The building in question is one both Bayonetta and ourselves will recognize because it's the coven from the flashbacks. Where the, where the lullaby was learnt, where the old Jean fight was, where the siege began. I don't fully understand why it's in this plane of existence, because it had humans attacking it at one point. But while there, she finds a clue while wandering the halls. It's a little carving of two girls. The inscription on it says Jean and Cereza. No, that's See? the little girl. Yeah, they're connected, Kyle. So the Red Witch and the little one have some sort of relationship. Before she can piece any more together, she gets into a little fight, and we learn that she doesn't like tentacles. Which is fair, being a fictional female from Japan. I mean, those things must be pretty stressful over there. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> just, just something to think about. Traveling this realm, it gets more starry as you get like higher up. I guess out of the atmosphere? Yeah, it's, it's, maybe. It, it's a cool visual, like the slow build. You don't really notice it until it's... U- university. Yeah, you don't realize it. It snakes up, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it gets more floating, more trippy. It's like the game was doing a little Mario Galaxy just for the fucking hell of it, because it does have little platforms now that you walk sort of around them. That's cool. Yeah. So Bayonetta leaves when she finds a fi- she finally gets to a gateway to get back into Earth Realm, which is what they're calling Immortal Combat. I think it's called Paradiso Inferno, and I forget what Earth is in this game. I'm going to call it Earthrealm because I've played Mortal Kombat before close enough. Um, she gets to this portal and she hears Ceresa crying out for help. Alright? And then we cut back to what they've been doing. Well, you've been doing this. And she'd been hiding out in a forest with Luca after they failed to use the bridge because I guess it got destroyed. And they ditched the military vehicle they're hiding in these woods. Now they're caught, but not by the military, by fucking angels. God damn it. You can see the grass moving and hear the sounds, but Luca doesn't see anything else. The little one hands him her glasses to watch out of. Do you remember the stupid rock with a hole in it from the Spiderwick Chronicles movie? Yes. I'm so glad you do, because I had to Google what that movie was called. But when he looks through her glasses, it works like that, and he can finally see these fucking angels and Bayonetta, like, literally protecting him from them. So it's, uh, it's somewhat like the opposite of Supergirl's glasses. Yeah. In in the CW show. Well, why don't you tell people what that meant? Um, in, in the CW show, her dad gives her glasses, but they're made from lead frames so that she can't see through walls and things. They that, like, nullify her, her a bit. Vision. Yeah. I'd imagine that would get pretty headache-inducing if you can see the whole world the whole fucking time. Well, that's, I think for that it was just a way of her, like, being able to cover up some of the powers. Because mm. she wouldn't, like, get freaked out by things happening, like, three rooms over. You'd get stressed out if you could see every spider around you, regardless of if they're hiding or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, after the last one of these angels are driven into a ravine, the ground beneath Bayonetta on the edge of the cliff gives out. And she's saved by Luca with his little grapple hook because he's fucking Spider-Man and he always was. Always was. Not that I think she needed the help, honestly. Let's be real. She can turn into a bird at this point if you bought the upgrade from uh, from Rodan in his little store. Which, again, you can pop into like a Pokemon pretty much once or twice every level. I like his little store. It's a cool little bar. It is very fancy. Mm. Not a lot of people in there ever, though. If it takes a supernatural portal to get to it, how the fuck are most people going to be customers? Let's be real. I don't know how. I don't even know how Enzo gets in there. As far as I know, that place doesn't have an address. It's between worlds, Kaya. It's literally the gates of hell. Alright, it's like an airport bar. We've said that multiple times. It is, though. I love it. So once everything is settled, I'm noticing that they're at an airfield again. So, yeah, they're not on the island. This is my notes being like, okay, so they didn't make it. But we never see them turn back, so you have to guess. Mm -hmm. Fresh airfield, whatever. Reused assets. It's a game for the Wii U. I guess they've got to. Like, I get it. You're not putting too much effort in. No, it's not even that. It's that you can't because the fucking console can't handle it. Yeah. It's a reason Nintendo is only getting Skyrim on the Switch and not when the fucking Skyrim came out. You know what I'm saying? So, the tentacle monster is back for more and Cereza's little cat plushie mm-hmm. named Cheshire um, uh, gets its eye ripped out in the fray and, and Luca, like while that's happening, Luke gets... Uh, little Ceresa to safety. I like Bayonetta talking to the plushie a little. And 
and kind of revenging it via tentacle angel monster boss fight. As you do. Sure. And she's like, oh, you got your eye perked out. That's no good. We better teach it some manners. She's like talking to a little toy cat. I mean, I, I do the same thing, particularly if something has the audacity to fall off the table when I walk past it. So as this one dies, it mentions more about the eyes of the world and Jubileus, but the only real new information for us here is that there is a Lumen Sage still alive. Ooh. One left, one remains. Not a little disciple like the ones we saw in the plane sacrifice in the south what would have been dozens of, like, a whole dozen pages of script ago. Yeah. Go back to, like, five minutes into the first episode for that. So, no, no, it's none of that. Both groups, the Umbra and the Lumen, have one remaining player on the field. Hmm. That's concerning. I'm still waiting for you to think about that a little more. That there's only one person left that can... There's one person of each. A final Lumen Sage, Bayonetta, and Jean. Yeah, I know. At no point are you going to point out that that's three people, not two people? Bayonetta and Jean. And another guy. That's the little kid. No. Huh? No. There's a different one. There's there's a Lumen Sage around now. And it's not Jean. Oh, Luthor. No. I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm waiting for you to be like, hang on, Bayonetta, you, you know what, I'm going to spoil it, so we better keep going. You know I'm not going to get it right. Because <laughs> unlike you, I've been at work for the last four days, and gee willikers, <laughs> has it been a whole four days. So after we fight the tentacle monster and it gives us a little bit of fucking twists and turns about the Lumen Sage that's been orchestrating this attack on Bayonetta this whole time. Right. We she she catched up to Luca and Is it the fat dude? That's the fellow with the monocle. I don't know if you've seen him in this game, but you've seen me deal with him a little bit in the sequel. Spoilers. <laughs> it's not the fat guy. You're thinking of you're thinking of the little New York man. I can't think of anyone that has a monocle. It's fine. So she catches up to Ceresa and Luca, and they're talking about how how um, Ceresa wants to grow up and protect people and be a witch like her mummy. Luca, and Luca's, you know, eyeing off one of these weird planes from earlier, so, you know, I'm assuming the bridge was a bust and, you know, they're going to steal a plane to get to it now. Yeah, we're just flying. Yeah. He then tells Bayonetta about his dad. We explained some of that last week, you know, about his origins and what he's doing. You know, how he's an investigative journalist and was following the Umber... His father, sorry, was also an investigative journalist and was following the Umber-rich cryptids like like a dude hunting Bigfoot. But tall witches. Tall-ass witches. They are very tall. Uh-huh. You know, canonically, they're like normal height. It's just stylized. No. I refuse to accept that. I'm one of the parties like, yeah, she measures about eight foot seven. Yeah. Fight me. <laughs> Don't even... She has more legs than body. That's the thing. If she's normal height, she has a head like the little shrunken head man in Beetlejuice. Or the um, the scale has to, in Harry Potter. She has to be tall because the scale doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. So, the father learnt about both of the homes, both the Lumen Sages and the Umbra Witches being around Vigrid. Right. Both the Dark Witches and the Light Witches. Are the, oh, Light Wizards, sorry. Wizards? Warlocks? I don't know what a sage is. It's a herb. Sage is a sage. It's a wizard. No, it's wizard esque. What is it? What does that mean? What's the difference? I don't even know the difference between witches, warlocks, wizards. Um, a wizard. No, witches, girl, no, wizard is boy. Girl. Or is that a Harry Potter thing? Like, was that always the case? Is there a girl yes. wizard? No. Mm. It's like waiters and waitresses. Um. Well, the father also learnt that they both kept a balance using those magical stones called the Eyes of the World. And their cooperation was, you know, fine until a wizard and a witch got a little more than cooperative, Kyle. That's right. You know what I'm saying. We're talking about a whole ass mixed race child. Born of the light and the dark, Kyle. Disgusting. The father gets exiled. Oh, it's a mage. Okay, there you go. Like the dudes in Yu-Gi-Oh! Hang on a second, I'm, I'm researching. Okay. Look, okay, the father gets exiled, mother gets put in her horny jail. The child, this little girl, is raised by the umper but remains a black sheep amongst black witch women. Mm. 
Okay. This starts a beef between the groups for some reason, and as theories of the left and right eye stones being put together for complete control, greed starts to set in as well. Right. And a civil war between both groups leads them to ruin. You know? A sage is a scholar or wise man who isn't strictly magical. So it's a dork Whereas wizard. a mage is described as any magic user before knowing if they are evil or how to cast spells. Okay. Alright, so both of these groups pretty much fall apart between the witch hunts and the war and everything. And then 500 years pass and then Luca's dad finds the coffin in the lake that had Bayonetta in it. Yes. And then what happened to him? Well, they think the bayonet explodes in him, but it wasn't bayonetty, it was the angels. That's right. So cut to the now part of Luca's information dump here, and we have the stone that was put on the black market that we were looking for all along. It belongs to a person in the Ithavol group, as he suspected earlier. And all still think it's one of the eyes of the world. So now we're going to do a heist. Gotta go get it. Nice. A hoist is noist. <laughs> Um, and as he goes to steal a jet, Bayonet awaits with the little one, and who has a cat plushie back with a band-aid putting the eye back on. Isn't that cute? Um, they talk a little bit, Bayonet are trying to explain the thing she's looking for, and Cereza shows her this locket that she got from her mother. Uh, we get a flashback of that moment, Cereza and her mum, you know, you know, and gives it to her, and they get this tender moment. Before we get another big angel show up and Luca's plane tries to take off. There's a lot going on. But Luca falls off the plane on this runway. Ceresa does not. Bayonetta goes to the rescue and saves her. And we get a little nostalgic Saints Row the third plane scene here. As you've got to travel through the plane. I, I was thinking Wonder Woman. Which part of Wonder Woman's on a plane? The one where Steve Trevor dies. It blows up. No, no. It's like Saints Row 3. Because you're traveling through a cargo ship. Um, Actually, you know what? It's kind of like your Uncharted movie we watched not long ago. Oh, yes. That's, that's not my movie, by the way. I just watched it. You were, you were there. So you know what I'm talking about. I was present. You've seen that more recently than you've played Saints Row 3. Yes. But you fight your way up this cargo ship. And you save little Ceresa. Um, So as you travel through the plane, you smash angels. As you do, you know, as you normally do. But occasionally big boots and a fist crash through the plane. It's magic like bayonetters if you're paying attention. So as you can guess... Jean is atop the plane. Of course she is. How, how, how much is that picking up? About the same. Okay, we'll, we'll cut that bit out. So, <laughs> um, so this time around, Bayonetta is much more capable and aggressive. I like her turn, like when she turns the raindrops into an ice spear, then like, you never see her use that again. This is a cool move. Proves how, like, overly capable these Umbra witches are. However, she probably doesn't know a lot of the stuff she's yeah. doing. Look, she's pissed off because Jean made a crack about, like, not finding Ceresa yet. <laughs> and she's getting some sort of motherly angry instincts, as you do. So, she, you know, she uses turning into a cougar and a bat and stuff. It's great. Like, the plane cra- catches fire and starts to come down as you have this boss fight on top of it. And Jean kills, like, a bunch of angels into it. Like, into the plane, which interrupts everything, of course. Jean still thinks the Bayonetta isn't ready yet, and Bayonetta ditches her to save Ceresa, um, you know, which she does to a point, because she gets Ceresa in her arms and is sort of left atop the ocean on the wing of the plane because it's been on fire and crashed into the ocean during all this. Um, so not much she can do there until Luca shows up with a helicopter. Nice. Because the plane went off without him. He just stole the next thing that was coming along, I guess. I mean, works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the threat of another boss fight is heard and felt, and I love Bayonetta just handing the little one off by the scruff of the neck to Luca before going to kick ass. Which would actually probably hurt a human child. Hold my child! (laughs) Can you... I I dropped my hand. Here, you take it. It's the whole hold my grills, hold my ring, you know, putting your hair back, kind of like I'm about to have like a weird bitch fight in the car park. But yeah, um, she she kicks the ass of this huge bug boat looking angel, and it's a surfing kind of level. So think the jet ski levels in Crash Bandicoot three. Okay. Right. If I could compare it to anything. Unfortunately, I was going with uh, Batman sixty six. Nah. No, that's that's goofy times. This is over the top times. Different. 
Okay. I'm glad that you clarified that. <laughs> Different levels of extremism. Um, it gets eaten by big hair demon tarantula family, so that's cool. Uh, Bayonetta escapes the whirlpool that it gets trapped in and gets back to the helicopter and approaches the big dumb island once more. Isn't that good? While on their route, a missile or two is fired at them from the island. Bayonetta, which I've spelled way wrong there, catches and she she catches one and like climbs aboard it and steers it using her magic. So it's like a flying surfboard now. This level has you right atop it and shooting stuff as you go. I will say the game has quite a few moments of different gameplay to keep it fresh now and then. Which is good because the gameplay loop is very obvious. And once you're, it, one, it once you're super aware of it, it can get tedious. Yeah. That's the trick. Once you get aware of it, then it's all, it's, it's already a ticking clock then. It's all of the rides at Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, once you realize, oh, these are all just weird 3Ds on a rail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're very right. But it breaks up with shit like this. Um, so once Bayonetta and Ceresa ride the missile into the island city limits, Jean throws, shows up also on a mi- missile, welcoming them to this island called Isla, Isla del Sol. Mm-hmm. Which I think would mean Isle of Sun. Mm-hmm. All right, look at me fucking learning things. An island of wealth and power. If Bayonetta can reach it, she must be ready finally. As far as Jean's concerned. Well, at least we think so. Well, she reckons. So, Jean says it's time that they finally finish shit and starts firing just missiles. I, I don't really understand what she's doing with that. But, but by this point on my playthrough, I was so fucking lost and I'd mostly given up on ever trying to understand things. Hence me wanting to do this podcast to figure it out for myself, frankly. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you skip two or three cutscenes and, you know, you look at your phone, you, you end up on TikTok. Next thing you know, you're in, like, a different country and you're like, oh, dude... Yeah, it does, it does roll pretty fast. If you don't it, fucking, it if you're not on board the whole slow. time, you're if you fall off this train, the, it's a bullet train. Yeah, you're not getting back on it. It's, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it gets you. You gotta be careful. It's like that mystery ink uh, Scooby Doo series. It's that's part of. I know everyone says that one's good, but I grew up hating that series because if you ever missed like five fucking minutes of it, it was too late to save you. But that's the thing. That's I think that's kind of the reason why I fell off it so hard, like halfway through the first game, because I was just like, the cutscenes take so long to happen, but there's so much importance in them that you don't realize is important mm. until you need it. That's very common in like these sort of games. Like I'm thinking of like every Metal Gear game have like cin like cinematic cutscenes, man, and I mean like cinema length cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, God forbid you skip one, but you know, it's also a challenge to stick through them. Especially the first half of this game, it's like half an hour cutscenes, two minutes gameplay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was lost, so I assumed this was the final boss, so put a counter on that. Okay. I thought Jean, as your rival the entire time, would be it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we throw down, and I have some stuff here to explain as we go. Something that I haven't been spoiling in my notes for a while now is a child ruined the balance, as we already know. I don't know why that is. Because it's a grey area. Yeah, I, I suppose they're, right, they're running strictly on a left and right sort of thing. Yeah. I get you. So, um, and we assumed it was Bayonetta who had been the mother in these flashbacks. But she's the daughter. That makes more sense. Stop doing that. Um... And John, who was the true Umbra Witch this whole time, not fucking Bayonetta. That's what I've been waiting for you to be like, hang on, why are there two witches? So does it mean John is the mom? No. No, no. She was she was the true Umbra Witch this whole time, is willing to blow up this whole island to find the other eye. Right. That's why she's firing all these missiles on this island for some reason. Oh, yeah. So, remember right at the start when they're fighting on that falling clock tower and it's just button mashing and the narration's like, there are, there's, you know, there's chaos, but then there's the dark ones and the light ones and only one Umbra Witch remains? Mm. That narration was never talking about Bayonetta. It was talking about Jean. Oh, yeah. Isn't that cool? It's a cool move. But you don't think that because you're selfish and you assume your character's the chosen one. You think you're the sole survivor. You think you're... Whatever the other ones, the Lone Wanderer, mm. whatever the fuck you are in Skyrim, you're always the chosen one in a video game. The Avatar. That's right. So the fact that it, it, it it's the fucking Clayface Joker of Arkham City, 
at no point is it specifically telling you a lie. You make assumptions because it seems like, you know, you just follow the motion. And everything else. Yeah, it's a good move of that. I like that. All right. So, yeah, you're having this fight. Suddenly, on the rooftop of this tower, Luca shows up in a car like he's fucking fast and furious. I don't know how he did that. Um, he takes he takes Jean's detonator thingy and Cereza, you know the child, before driving up into the air and then exploding. Okay. I don't know. And then the fight continues to happen between the witch and the half breed. Okay, buildings fall because they all seem to do that in this game, and Jean's red outfit burns off, and then she does the hair move we oh so love. Um, so now she's got like a silver fox version of Bayonetta's outfit. Um, and they fight on walls, they fight on fountains, they fight in, they fight on rogue missiles. They're, they're friggin' everywhere. Hmm. Okay. Eventually, though, Bayonetta comes out on top. Then what happens? Well, Jean is mortally wounded. Spoilers for two, she'll be fine. But she does explain that Bayonetta has been holding the Umbra Eye this whole fucking time. Huh. Remember that doodad she pickpocketed off her? The, and set the little thing on her chest. Mm. The locket. Yeah. The little red crystal in that is the eye. That I didn't have because I was pinched. That's right. And her pinching it, pickpocketing it off her in that scene that we're talking about, where she you know, learns to walk on walls, the fact that she pickpocketed off her and then said she was not ready, mm. it's her saying, well, you're not that fucking protective over it, you're not ready. You don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she didn't know any better in her defense. Probably hide it somewhere safe instead of on top of your tits. I don't know, my tits are pretty safe. I'd hide it under the tits. Tuck nah. it in there, like how you can hold a pencil. Nah, it's just... I'm know. just saying flaunting the most valuable rock in the universe is probably a bad idea. <laughs> like Vision keeping it on his head. That's fine. All right. But, um, yeah, so she might have been the black sheep, old Bayonetta, but John figured she was the right person to protect it. She also reveals Bayonetta's real name is Ceresa. Who's that? That's right. As Bayonetta is kicked away from her, a missile lands on the spot where they were at, and she mourns pretty much everyone at this point. Mm. You know, Jean, Luca, Ceresa. Only for Luca and Ceresa to appear. The little Ceresa. So he escaped while, you know, he jumped out of that exploding car. As you do. Well, he's got the fancy grapple hook because he's fucked Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. He gives her a lollipop, uh, which, by the way, uh, her health okay. and her power-ups... I didn't, couldn't work out how to make them. I feel, I feel it's, it's a bit of a fuck around. But um, I'm assuming those were designed around the Wii U. I'm going to be honest with you. But um, yeah, it's a very lollipop chainsaw. And, and he, she thanks him you know, in her sort of bitchy way. Mm. By which I mean she doesn't say thank you and actually uses his normal name and not Cheshire. That's nice. So there's a, level, there's a form of respect there. Alright, so they head to what I'm going to guess is the penthouse that the other eye is being kept at. Now that she knows she's got one, we're acquiring the other one. Um, and Bayonetta hears that voice in her head again, asking her to unleash the eyes of the world this time. But the twist... Wait a second. The twist is the little Ceresa that she's carrying answers the fucking voice. Oh, she hears it too. Yeah, it's her dad. So she, so she scurries off into this super bright room, and the older Ceresa, Bayonetta, follows. The door seals shut behind them, leaving Luca outside. As you progress this level, you might notice the interior slowly changing from fancy architecture to sci-fi rocket science, with this huge big lady statue in the middle. That is because they are combining wealth, resources, and magic to achieve their goal. It's a very golden vigil, for a reference that you, me, and maybe two people are going to understand. So the level is a very serious endurance test, I'm going to be honest with you. There's like a Medal of Honor machine gun turret bit, there's a couple of elevator climbs with boss fights in them, some card walking, that golem ball again, ending with another walk on golden wisps like in that other realm, and entering into a floating ball above all of this. <laughs> that leads us to the second time I thought we was at the final boss. The Lumen Sage. Ah. Mm. What fault... Oh, so Okay, okay. So I wrote down a quote here and then didn't put quotation marks, so I got a little confused. What follow... See, all right, see if you can follow the shit I'm about to spout, okay? okay? This is why I wrote it down, for examination. What follows those living in the light is nothing but the profound, empty darkness born from the shadow that grows longer as they approach the brilliant radius. 
To truly see, your eyes must be open to both life and dark. Don't you agree, <laughs> my dear child? And then he proceeds to put lipstick on a small child. So <laughs> He drags that sentence out. He talks very slow. And it is... I don't understand it as a sentence. <laughs> Do you, what did you think I meant? Something about a circle. Okay. <laughs> Right. I will admit I was trying not to sneeze throughout that entire sentence, so my focus was elsewhere. That's fine, but now we've met the last Lumen Sage, Boulder. Oh. Okay, voiced by Jay Grant Albrecht, another bit part actor with one of those big resumes, as you imagine. He plays a guy named Hoffman in both the Timverse, in the Batman animated series and Justice Leagues, and Hoffman in Cowboy Bebop. I like that he played two different characters with the same name nice. in such influential fucking things. Yeah. Uh, one was a police chief and one was a Nazi, so uh, makes sense that he'd be an angel now. Um, so, in this long, in his long, slow, drawn-out, knobbish way, Boulder explains some things. Mm-hmm. That he is Bayonetta's father. He is the dude that shacked it up with the Umbra Witch. Mm. Um, he hasn't yet said that the little one is just Bayonetta, but from an earlier point in the timeline, that her reality once returned will... It's, it's weird. So, this doesn't work by Back to the Future rules. It um it works multiverse style. <laughs> so, when child Bayonetta gets sent back, she'll be on a different timeline to Bayonetta that we're playing as. Right. Hence, Bayonetta 3 not just being Bayonetta 1 again. Yeah. Okay? You following that part? Yeah, that right. makes sense. All right. And, same, same, but and she was just put around to lead adult version of Ceresa in this current timeline to here. He was a guy who... he He's the guy who began this whole Jubileus idea as well. The world needs a reboot, and joining the eyes of the world back together is the key. After he spurs on these fucking witch hunts, um, the eye was not found, because Bayonetta had taken it during her lake nap. So, spoilers. The Bayonetta, in all the flashbacks, was actually Rosa, her mum. And they just look alike. That's why the little one mistakes her for her mummy. Because Bayonetta grows up to look like her mum. Makes sense. Right. So, so, yeah. So, you got that going. It's a fun twist to per- perverse the whole third-person concept because those wouldn't work in most forms of media because you see these flashbacks of you see the little girl that looks exactly like the little one and the woman that looks exactly like Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. But... This whole time we haven't been looking... We've been looking at him as Little One and Bayonetta. Because the flashbacks are in third person, not through the eyes of the person remembering. Mm. So we're mistaking whose memories they are. Older Bayonetta's having the flashbacks as the child, not the older one. Mm. Are you following me here? But because you're looking at a scene on your television screen and not remembering something like you would remember something through your eyes... It looks like there's two separate people. On the it's screen. a fuck. It's it's like a diversion just by being a third person. Yeah, it's cool. Smart. It's crafty. It, yes, it is crafty. So yeah, having it be, you know, scenes and cut scenes and whatever, make it vague on purpose. It's cool. It's, I, I like I like the twist. So during this peacock and jerks montage, Luca appears and Bolt like he, he shows up because he always do, and Boulder admits to having the angels kill his dad. <laughs> There you go. It wasn't Bayonetta. We fucking knew that. And we spoiled it last week because of my perfume theory, which I think still rules. Yes. I love when I think of something and then don't Google to make sure millions of other people had thought of it first. That's how you're meant to do it. Gotta live on my own. So angels are then called in to kill him just the same as his father, but Bayonetta obviously kills those off and Boulder just tosses Luca out a fucking window. And then he continues with his bullshit monologuing, saying that Jean was the actual Umbra the which all along the last one, but had turned into a turncoat in order to survive, working for him. Oh, no. Trying to help lead, you know, real Bayonetta along and trying to keep her ready for what's to come. Yada, yada, yada. He then absorbs the little one. It's very weird. Her glowy soul face protruding from his chest. Still wearing glasses. Ew. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you that. It's, it's a thing. He then peak. He has like peacock feathers on his coat, and they expand into like wings, and he flies off. And then we fight his ass. Get him. Yeah. Spoilers, but I way more enjoy fighting him in the sequel. Like, maybe he needed to be humbled a little bit in this one. You know. Maybe. I, I like. I like his. I like him 
in the sequel more as, as like, a opponent. Okay. So, yeah, I think he needs to be, like, knocked down a peg because in this one he's just too fucking pompous. And he fights like someone who is pompous. He fights like the, like, um, can't think of his name. You know the, right at the end of Fairy Tale, the dork who has the E&D book and the ponytail and he's just smug and annoying the whole time? Oh, yeah. He fucking reminds me of that. Oh, he's annoying. Right, there you, okay, so now you've now I've portrayed the emotional effect off, and you're making a face like you bit a lemon. <laughs> okay, so that's good. That's what I was aiming for. And when I say, okay, um, I will say, like, it's a cool moment when he breaks Gamora's neck. That's pretty fucking crazy. A demon who has eaten so many bigger boss fights at this point is pretty shocking to see. You, you know the big dragon head the Bayonetta makes? He fucking kills that. It's rude. It, I mean, it shows that he means business. But as the yeah, but as the boss fight wraps up, we get one of the badass moments for the highlight reel. Boulder is shoved back. Which time starts? You know which time, right? Yeah, yeah, that's slow mo. Yep. Bayonetta pulls her lipstick out and loads it into a gun. For the real G's asking, for the real nerds, I'll tell you which gun it is. It's the parsley one. Oh. So remember they have the four names? Yeah. I figured it out. Um, she takes aim and says the quote, don't fuck with a witch. You know, you know that moment? And she fucking fires the lipstick and it punctures his stupid fucking face. <laughs> Bayonetta catches Ceresa out and recalls the missile that she was controlling all along this whole time. You know the whole... Ba- uh, I brought up Black Dynamite earlier. You know the whole... I threw that shit when I was in the other room? Yeah. So it had caught Luca... And now it's catching them because she's just been having it, like, nearby ready this whole fucking time. Nice. Yeah. She don't fuck around. She's great. All right. So it, it sure feels wrapped up. I thought it was another ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm up to three. Good work. So um, Bayonetta takes Ceresa back through the half-angelic, half-sci-fi gateway and tucks her back into her own bed in her own timeline. Gives her a little empowering speech about being a strong, independent woman, as you do. You don't need no man. I don't even think Bayonetta would say that because she's so far beyond needing a man. No, it's the sure quote of Mama said to marry a rich man and I turned around and said, Mama, I am a rich man. Yeah, man. Yep, so she then puts Ceresa to sleep by singing the lullaby, the fly me to the moon one. Mm. And once the little one is asleep once more, Bayonetta leaves, breaking the gateway on her way out, which for some reason feels more like the door tech in Monsters, Inc. than it does in, of any time travel gizmos I've ever seen. Mm. And, yeah, that's what I thought would be the ending. Um, as she wa- ending four. <laughs> as she walks back to Luca, she kind of dies. And Boulder is back now, too. And what I'm going with here is that Bayonetta it was a cold-calculating woman and Ceresa was an innocent little kid. Spending time with that version sort of imprinted back onto Bayonetta and gave her a little more of a softer side again. Which was needed for the left eye to awaken. Mm. So that's my theory. Because, again, loose game. <laughs> it's playing very fast and loose. So Boulder then carries her away, which looks funny. Because he's holding her like Supergirl Crisis on Infinite Earths cover. You know the typical comic book holding the, the dead body? Fire, fireman. But, but she's fucking so long. So it looks like he's holding a table. You know, he's holding, normal, he's holding normal shoulder length, but then there's the rib cage of Bayonetta, and then there's, like, the bottom half of her, of her thigh, let alone... Yeah, she's a bit too long to be carrying. It looks very funny. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, I got distracted by how funny it looks. Um, they, they float back up to the big statue that was in the center of the Ithavol Tower. Guess what, dipshits? It was actually the sleeping form of Jubileus this whole time. <gasps> right? Protected and hidden by Boulder in the building... That's why it was there the whole time. Cute clue that you just walk past it and think, oh, that's weird architecture. Hmm. But he'd pretty much built a safe around this thing and called it a building. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So he drops Bayonetta into one ice socket, climbs into the other, and this leads us to the epilogue, which, you know, is weird because it's more like a finale than a sequel setup. Remembering all the sci-fi crap around and, you know, and all that rocket science stuff I said earlier? Mm-hmm. I was very apt when I said that because... It, it, it fucking literally blasts off into space. <laughs> so they're launching Jubilees up like a big old marble woman rocket ship. Luckily for Jean, it turns out she's alive. Didn't get killed by that missile explosion earlier either. It's got a bad case of fairy tale sim 
symptoms here. Everybody dies, everyone's alive. Everyone dies, it don't mean shit. So yeah, she get she's got a cool motorbike still, and and as we've seen her do before, she like uses angels as ramps to get onto the side of the rocket. It's cool because you briefly get to play as her. What? Well, you know, you know it's 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 not great though because it's forward facing like Crash Bandicoot Boulder levels, but oh. you're also on the bike, so it's a bit awkward. But you know, you get to play as a new character. That's kind of fun. Hmm. Eventually, the camera pans around. You can actually see where you're fucking going. Controversial take, but I don't mind the bike segments in this game. I know a lot of online people complain about it. I think they're just fun. Which is They feel very arcade You hate, like, vehicle stuff in I'll, video games. That's what I mean. There's so many worse ones. Yeah. And this one, I know it's a Sega game, sort of, but it, it vibes like a old Sega arcade motorcycle. Nice. Thing. So, as you can probably imagine... Jean scales the rocket ship on the side of, uh, you know, with her motorbike. Witches care not for the vacuums of space, is something I wrote down. <laughs> While she is doing that, I will just summarize what's going on, okay? Okay. I'm going to try and make this as clear as I can for you. Jubileus, the big god woman made of stone, is like the creator. Mm-hmm. All right? The world and its primal occupants were just chaos. So she gave up her sight to give us free will. The right eye for goody two-shoes, like, you know, nice stuff. And the left eye for cool, dark stuff. Okay? And this gave us, you know, consciousness, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Now Boulder, you know, the guy with the fucking monocle and the bad attitude, wants to reboot. He doesn't like where the world is now. He wants to start everything from scratch. So he and Bayonetta form the eyes again, and because they've both got the, you know, the eyes of the world. And they're just kind of like sacrifices to wake up Jubileus, causing an Armageddon to reset creation itself. Okay? Yeah, I'm with you. Right. That's the part that they keep retelling me in Bayonetta 2, because they didn't feel like it was very clear in this. Right. You remember me playing Bayonetta 2 and being like, oh, because they fucking literally tell you <laughs> what the hell the first game was. Yeah. It's very funny that they had to do that. So because reboots are rarely any good... Jean is like, fuck off, Boulder. I saw 2014 Robocop. I ain't doing this again. And she pries Bayonetta free from the big eye socket, gives her a little shake and jiggle, and our heroine kind of wakes up. Unfortunately, Jubileus is also waking up. And just like that, I, the player, has been roped into killing the god of creation in another fucking Japanese video game. Every time. <laughs> well, what happened at the end of, ba- of Persona 5, Kyle? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's it's all fine. It's weird that I keep having ha- that keeps happening to me, man. And, and the boss fight, it's a, it's a weird design fight, but not in a bad way. It's just unique. It's an inversion of Mario Galaxy, okay? Mm-hmm. So, this big Egypt aesthetic goddess has a force field around her made out of that golden wispy stuff I was talking about earlier that you could sort of travel on in the heavenly realm. Mm-hmm. But because she's got a force field around her, Bayonetta was already in there. So you're like walking on the inside of it like the ceiling, like being like walking on the other side of the Earth's crust. Okay. Does that make sense? The underside of the crust? It's, it's like you're playing inside a basketball, but the gravity is on the basketball portion. So you're like walking on the okay. inner skin of it. Yeah, all right. So it, yeah, I kind of get it. It's a, it's a weird thing to explain and it's weird to look at, but it's, it's cool because it's unique. Yeah. So as you fight on, Jubilees will flare out with rage and all that wisp will t- turn into like magma and brimstone and then later f- like icy glacier stuff. It's a weird visual and you're always kind of uphill forever because no matter where you're looking, it's like the curvature. Mm. So it's a little bit tricky. But, you know, you hit... Oh, the other thing that's a fucking challenge is sometimes she can nullify you. Oh. To- she'll turn you back to before you had magic. So you also get to play as the little one, scurrying around trying not to fucking die because it doesn't take many hits to kill a toddler. Yes, rude. Yeah, you have to sort of survive. You have to sort of like scurry along and hope you respawn quick enough. You know, you you like much smaller legs. Yeah, it's it's weird. You just just gotta like run as hard as you can and hope you turn back into full size Bayonetta quickly because you're fucked if you don't. (laughs) So as Bayonetta pounds. You know, and does her thing. Jubileus doesn't show flesh and bone like the other angels. I noticed this when going through cutscenes and stuff to get in, to get all my shit back together. It's void in Jubileus. It's, okay. it's, it's like starry black oblivion on the inside. It's, it's a cool visual. It is very snazzy. So the final fight's great, just all, all around. I do enjoy it. Bayonetta does her hair summoning, and it's joined by Jean's 
So it starts off with the black hair and the silver hair, like, merges in it. And they just make a fucking way bigger Jubileus. Oh. <laughs> like, a fucking way bigger one. It kisses its fist and then punches the real Jubileus into the fucking sun. Nice. Credits. Cool, right? And this is another time when Toby thinks this is the ending because it had credits. It tricked me. God damn it, it keeps going. <sighs> so as the credits roll, more game rolls on as Bayonetta and John, you know, kind of smash the fragments of the statue back down to Earth. They, they ride it down. And then a few days pass. We assume she fucking died, you know, like an astronaut that doesn't have a rocket ship would do if they entered the atmosphere and crashed into the fucking Earth. A few days pass and we're once again at the graveyard that the game began with oh so long ago. Nice good rapper. Enzo is bitching once again about doing these things. Nice good. Rodan is there with him and a tall nun is there but this time the two guys are clearly talking about Bayonetta in the coffin. Okay? So, um, Luca shows up as well and with these huge bouquets of rosemary and the nun smiles and then he, you know, as he goes to leave. Um, when that's when the angels come, just like the first time. You know, mm-hmm. the, the light comes and the choir happens and all this stuff. Yep. Enzo is like, "What the fuck are they doing here for Bayonetta? It's not like she going to heaven." The nun leaps up into action once again, but this time it's Jean. Okay, she packs her own gun, so that's not what's in the coffin. That actually is Bayonetta. Yeah. She pops out like a jack in the box, very much alive, and she's like, "Morning." Oh, a, li- yeah. For the record, though, I thought all three Bayonetta games were separate Bayonettas, so admittedly I did... Think she was dead. It was feasible. I know it's a dumb trope to be like, oh, the main character dies, just kidding. But a lot of JRPGs play completely separate to the other ones. Yeah. Everyone from Bayonetta... Uh, sorry, from Persona 4 ain't the ones in 5. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Final Fantasy. It's the same. The boy in Kingdom Hearts, Kyle, yes, is a different boy in Kingdom Hearts too, but the same boy again. No, they're both Sora. Who's the fellow with the checkered pants? Not Sora. See what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I, I did. I honestly, I fell for that like a bitch. I thought maybe Bayonetta conked it. Look, I can see why you would think that. I'll tell you why spoilers. Because in Bayonetta three, there's a moment where. All three of the Bayonettas are together for, like, a cool, like, power-up moment. Mm. So I did think they were separate people. Mm. So fuck me, I guess. That's what I'm learning. So, yeah, it was cool. Um, so we then have a weird scene with Luca walking in a void and seeing the slow-motion Bayonetta fighting around him. And this is him realising that he has a big crush on her and fantasising, whatever. He then realises he can also smell her perfume. He makes a comment about using rosemary now because it means remembrance in the language of flowers. And she remembers shit now. She doesn't have her weird flashbacks and amnesia. Then credits roll. Okay. For reals this time. But it does let you play some of the scenes again as the as like as the credits play on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get to do the flashback fight with Jean. You get to protect the little one. And, and then the current fight at the graveyard with Jean and, you know, against all these angels. By the time, like, these finish, there's, like, a slow romantic pole dancing scene to a very slow melancholic version of Fly Me to the Moon during these credits. Um, And you would think that is the final little flaunt Platinum Games had for Bayonetta, but no. After that, after you save the game, there is a four-minute super choreographed dance number and that she does, you know, it's just throughout random scenes. But I know it's swanky jazz, but for Australians... They might understand, as I describe, as Ready, Steady, Cook theme song. Aww. I'll, I'll show you. It is... Ready, Steady, Cook was a great show. It's It, it admittedly sounds like that. <laughs> so that kind of takes some of the, uh, you know, magic out of it. it, it when was, you're thinking about the tomato and the capsicums. It was good in the later years where they replaced the host and he just made a lot of sexual intuendos without realizing what he was doing. Mm. So yeah, I was so lost and dazed and confused on my first playthrough that I didn't know what to think. But in hindsight, it feels like the creators like continuing with these weird bits at the end of the game like this. It felt it feels like they were having so much fun and they loved what they were doing and they loved the characters that they didn't want to stop. Yeah. It, that's what it comes off. And it feels like it carries the vibe of something being a fun passion project that we always love on this podcast. That's what we do say. So what do you think about Bayonetta 1? I'm still fucking confused. God damn it, I did my best. <laughs> what, what's the problem? What do you need? There's too much Latin. 
Uh, it's Enochian. It's fucking Latin. Which makes me think about Italian pastas, which shows how good I'm doing right now. I, I also, both times we've recorded this, have not been in the most great state of mind. No, nah, we got this. So let's do our homework, I guess. I think it's great. I'm glad I finally like took the time. It, it ended up being pretty fun. I'm, I'm sure I'll get it. I'll just listen back to the podcast a few times. Yeah, just to be like, oh, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> so the homework, okay? We all know Henrietta Hubble is the worst witch. Haha, <laughs> weird callback. But who is the best witch? Witch, Kyle? Which witch is the best witch? Oh, there's a lot of witches I could pick. Mm-hmm. There's witchy poo. <laughs> hey, jump off and stuff, baby. A horrible witch. Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Because you have the original, which is Melissa Joan Hart. Can't go past that. And the comic version. And the comic version. Mm-hmm. And, and the fucking four or five other reboot comic versions. This. Yeah. I also was very strong into the Charmed series for a long time there. Okay. So maybe Piper Halliwell. Who's, who plays her again? The one that you wouldn't know. It's no, it's not the one from Mallrats. No. All right, I like the one from Mallrats because she's in Mallrats. <laughs> um, my answer's boring and obvious, but it's Zatanna. And then is I, she a witch or a wizard? She she does spells. She wears a hat. Okay. Think the top hat, though. I think she's a magician because she does a lot of stage work. She she's magiciany, but you know, witchy. I wouldn't count her as a witch. What are you from that? I'm just like I don't know a lot of magic shit. Scarlet Witch. Ugh, trash. Keeps rebooting stuff without permission. Ridiculous. <laughs> I think Zatanna's my favorite. And then I specifically went looking for that issue that I really loved. The one, the one shot written by Derek Friedhoffs and drawn by Jamal Eagle. Uh, issue 15 of the old Zatanna run from like maybe 2000. Nice. That's the one where a bunch of witch hunters come after her, and. Fuck it. You should you should read that issue, listener. But, spoilers, the witch hunters get their comeuppance, which is like, let's see how you fucking like it, teleports them to Salem in the year of. And because they fell out of the fucking sky, what do you think people thought they were? Witch! You're damn right they get burned at the stake for being assholes. I would, I would also like to add the Hocus Pocus witches. Okay, okay. Sanderson sisters. Are they good at witching? Technically, yes. Ah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Hmm. Witches is crazy. Now I'm just labelling witches. i got 99 problems, but a witch ain't one. Look at that. That's a fun way to end it. I've been Toby Defoller. I've been joined by producer Kyle. I've been physically present. You did it. You're astral projecting to other things. (laughs) Alright, remember to rate, review, subscribe, and give random stuff a chance, because you never know what'll be a good thing. That's, that's always a good moral of the, on this podcast. Just try random shit. If you don't like it, just stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Give things a fair shake and say, say what you reckon. You might find something fun. And... On that note. Yeah, class dismissed. <laughs>